Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You've been hearing from us on this podcast for four years now or more, and we want to hear from you. We have a new feature we're trying to introduce on Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn here with Lisa Garvin, Laura Johnston, and Courtney Astolfi. And what I'm talking about is a toll-free number where we're hoping you'll call in and leave a question for us about one of the stories we've discussed. Or leave a comment for the podcast crew, for Lisa, for Laura, for Courtney, for Layla, even for me. Uh, we'll pull the most interesting ones in, we hope, and have a discussion about them or just air the comment. Uh, it'd be helpful if you'd leave your first name. You don't have to leave your whole name if that makes you uncomfortable. The number is 833-648-6329. It's 833-OH-TODAY. How about that? Today in Ohio, OH-TODAY. 833-648-6329. Laura will include that number in the post on cleveland.com that we put up each day with a transcript of this podcast so you can find it there if you're driving when you're listening to this and can't take the time to write it down. Let us hear from you. We'd like to hear your comments about the discussion. We'd like to hear your questions. We may not get to things that you think we should get to, and we would certainly love to do that to make this more of a conversation. Because of the scheduling, we can't really have guests on this podcast, but we can welcome your questions. And for people to hear your voice, I think, would be lovely. So please join us. All right, let's start today with a nightmare scenario for anyone who has been left waiting to fill a prescription for a needed medicine. How did Ohio regulators land on a Canton CVS store for what can only be described as abominable treatment of its medicine-needing customers? Laura, we put this story on the front page today because I think we've all encountered nightmare scenarios, although I'm not sure I've encountered this. No, I feel like we should have heard about this at the time when it was happening in 2021, because this is so awful. And this was the height of the pandemic when people were trying to get vaccinated. And it was just an absolute mess. The store in Canton was over a month behind in filling prescriptions. They closed the lobby to any customers not seeking vaccines. They sent them to the drive through They didn't have properly working phones. They couldn't check the temperature and cold storage because monitors weren't working. Doors weren't shutting all the way. They had magnets in the way. Things that should have been secured safely weren't. It, it just sounds like absolute chaos in this store. And this all came from a regular inspection that the state does, the Ohio Board of Pharmacy, Pharmaceutical or whatever. They did this. And then they came back 40 days later after the original inspection and every single pharmacy staffer had either quit 
or transferred to another staff. And that's when they were trying to triage the medicine. So they were trying to fill life-saving and life-sustaining medications first, antibiotics, pain meds, birth control, the stuff you have to take every day. I would argue if you are taking any medicine, it is incredibly important and you cannot wait a month to get it filled. I'm surprised that the store didn't just like put a closed sign on its door and send everybody else elsewhere. Yeah, that was the thing that struck me is if you need a prescription, you need the prescription. I mean, right. You know, if you need thyroid medicine and you don't get it, you your system goes haywire. If you need birth control medicine, you know, or birth control pills, you don't get it, you know, you might have an unwanted pregnancy. It just seems like triaging it is is a weird way of describing it. I get it. If you have an infection, you need antibiotics or you can get much sicker and die. But but wow, they did come back late in the day and say, hey, hey, this was during the pandemic and mm-hmm. we've gotten better. But I can't imagine how bad. And, and didn't it say at the end of the day, they would go out and tell people online, yes. yeah, we're not going to get to you. You may as well, well go home. They had the pharmacist go out at 7.30 and go to the drive-thru and say, anything not filled before 9, we won't get to because our system shuts down. And you're thinking, people are waiting an hour and a half in a drive-thru line? I mean, this must have just been when, remember when you tried to schedule vaccines and you couldn't find an appointment anywhere and people were desperate for tests and desperate for vaccinations. So it, it was maddening for a lot of places, but I can't believe that they tried to keep going at this point, that they didn't just send people to nearby stores. So, Well, well, sadly, though, the employees recognized the challenge and they asked if they could close the Mm -hmm. store to get organized. Can we close down for a while, put all the stuff on the shelves? I mean, it sounded like a dollar store with stuff laying all over the place. And the CVS brass told them no. Right. Right. You're right. And so what this came out of is a pharmacy board meeting and they're trying to come up with some new regulations and they want them to be the rules that the pharmacies would have to follow that pharmacies have to develop a process to address staffing concerns they would have to make sure employees receive rest breaks they would ban the use of quotas to perform work tasks and pharmacists inside the stores would get more power over staffing to make sure that prescriptions are filled within 72 hours which still is a long time like don't you think you normally you take your prescription and say you need an antibiotic you just went to the doctor and you stand there for 20 minutes and you wait for them to fill it so 72 hours is still giving a lot of time. Yeah, it, it was an alarming story. And I'm glad that the state landed on them. That, that's what the state's supposed to do. They're supposed to regulate this kind of thing. And I would have been just blindly furious if I had been stuck in that nightmare. I think a pharmacist is a really tough job because everybody wants to know everything from you. You're probably under the gun all the time. And you have to do things like, you ever take your, your stuff up to get like scanned and you're like, they have like this advanced degree and I'm asking them to like, can I buy toothpaste with my prescription? <laughs> <laughs> right. You're listening to Today in Ohio. From medicine to Uber, why should people who fly in and out of Cleveland Hopkins International Airport be a bit outraged by a study comparing Uber service at U.S. airports, Lisa? Yeah, and it's not just Cleveland Hopkins, but Hopkins is kind of high on the list. So this is a study by HawaiianIslands.com. They looked at Uber rates at North American's 
North America's busiest airports for travel to downtown from the airport versus just outside the airport to downtown. So they found in Cleveland, it was more than double the cost and the Uber premium would be 104%. That's the fourth highest in the nation. And they're not really clear why there's a disparity between an airport, you know, uh, starting point and nearby destinations. So in 2016, Cleveland City Council imposed a $4 fee for rideshare drop-offs and pickups at the airport. And that accounts for some of this, but not all. So our crack data analysts at cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer tried to verify the results. So what we did is we compared the rates from Hopkins to the Hilton down. Town Hotel and Aviator Cleveland, which is right across Brook Park from the airport to downtown. This would be a midday Monday ride. So UberX charged $15.93 to downtown from Aviator Cleveland. They charged $28.92 from the airport. That's an 80% increase. A local Uber driver we talked to, Elon Yanuf, says Uber actually limits the number of drivers to those already at the airport or in a nearby waiting area. And he says that decreases supply and then brings up prices. That's fascinating, though, that it it is so much higher. And it's not just what city council did. City council's argument is you're making money off our airport. We should get a a fee. Taxis pay a fee out there as well. But there's no justification for the difference in price. It's this this forced uh, supply and demand. Um, It's just it's one where going to the airport just gets more and more expensive. Parking at the airport is expensive and everything else out there costs money. Very interesting story. The uh, this is the point where if you've had an issue with the CVS that sounds interesting, if you've had a nightmare scenario with Uber, let us know. Call that toll free number 833-648-6329. We'd like to hear your comment or if you have a question. We've wondered whether all the Kia and Hyundai thefts would boost Ohio insurance rates. How does Ohio compare to the rest of the country for the cost of insuring cars in 2024, Courtney? Well, here's the bad news. Car insurance costs in the U.S. are significantly up this year over last year, and Ohio drivers aren't immune to those increases. However, the the little ray of sunshine here is that rates here in the Buckeye State aren't seeing as high of increases as elsewhere in the country. So we're getting a little bit of a break compared to the rest of the states. So the national average uh, cost for full coverage is now sitting at just over $2,500 or $212 a month. And that represents about a 26% increase over last year. But in Ohio, full coverage plans average a bit over $1,500. So almost $1,000 less than the rest. And, and that, that equates to about a 20% increase over last year. And this data comes from Bankrate. It's a personal finance website that kind of analyzes car insurance rates. And, you know, we know here that this is a continuation of climbing prices in recent years. You know, nationwide back in 2021, the average was around 1700 And now up to this 2500 number we're looking at this year, I mean, that's a 52% increase in just three years. Ohio, on our end, we had a 46% increase in that span. So if you're looking at higher bills, you're not alone. Everyone's kind of dealing with this. I am surprised at how much lower that we are than a lot of the rest of the country. And, it, and and I would have just predicted, okay, well, New York, Washington, Nat Carter would be worse. But wasn't Louisiana the worst state for it? 
Yeah, there is a measure of affordability here. You know, Ohio Ohio ranks pretty good on the affordability scale nationwide. We're we're like ranked 12 in the country when it comes to looking at how much of your income goes to car insurance versus how much other folks' income goes to car insurance. So Ohioans spend an average of of 2.3% of their income on auto insurance. Yeah, it's a it's it, what you're not seeing though. I don't believe, and we're trying to get at this. Those thefts do not seem like they've had a huge impact on our rates. Maybe it does if you drive one of those. Maybe they jack your rate up if you're in one of the models that's easy to steal. But it does not look like the rest of us are eating a lot of that cost. I, I will say, just anecdotally, we're a Hyundai household and, and dealt with that issue. Ours ours didn't seem to go up. Yours did not go up or yours did? Did not. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, you're listening to Today in Ohio. When we talk about the opioid epidemic, we usually talk about the big numbers. But a court case this week offers up specific details about how this epidemic has taken lives. Lisa, what is behind the story of a Cleveland man who admitted to selling fentanyl-laced drugs that killed three people? Yeah, 38-year-old Reyes Sanchez Borrero of Cleveland pled guilty to three counts of drug distribution resulting in death and two counts of a felon in possession of a firearm. He will be sentenced June 18th in federal judge Patricia Gons court, and he faces 20 to life in prison. Sanchez Borrero sold fentanyl-laced drugs, a variety of drugs, in May and July of 2022. Uh, the first to go was 50-year-old Mary Lou Garay of Cleveland. She bought a Coke and fentanyl mix, and she died just a couple of days after her $40 purchase. 52-year-old Jose Hernandez of North Olmsted, he died the next day. He bought $20 of crack and fentanyl mix. And then in July, about a month later, 31-year-old Robert Fisher of Cleveland died after ingesting a heroin fentanyl mix that he bought from Sanchez Borrero. So um, Sanchez Borrero actually texted Fisher and other customers after Garay's and Hernandez's death saying, hey, throw your drugs out. They're bad. Um, he was arrested and raid four days later, but he was released on bond and continued to sell drugs, including to Fisher, the third person who died. Yeah, th- this was kind of frightening because it seems like the dealer wasn't aware of how bad his drugs were until he learned of the deaths. He kept selling, so he's he's going away for a long time. But that's the frightening part. There is no quality control in illegal drug sales. It was one of the arguments for legalizing marijuana, because if you're buying it from state licensed places, you know you're getting stuff that has a quality that's not going to kill you. This was a real window, though, into how it happened. It happened over and over and over again. I mean, so many people have died from overdoses of mixed drugs. And this case does kind of show you how it all works. Well, and he sold a variety of drugs. I mean, Coke, heroin, you know, uh, crack. So he was mixing fentanyl with everything. And I don't know what's happening with the test strip. I know they're trying to make test strips available to people on the street. I don't know, you know, how robust that program is. Yeah, but it did. Again, we don't know this for sure, but it seems like the customers knew they were getting a mixture. But it sounds like the mixture was so out of whack that it, Mm -hmm. it killed them. Frightening, frightening story. And and this guy is going to pay for it for a lot of years. You're listening to Today in Ohio. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. 
behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. King Charles' cancer was discovered by accident when he was treated for an enlarged prostate. That's scary. If not for the prostate, the cancer would be undetected and continue growing. Laura, what do Northeast Ohio health experts recommend all the rest of us do so that we can find cancer at early stages? There are four kinds of cancers that doctors recommend screenings for. That's lung, breast, colon, and cervical cancers. They make up 29% of all U.S. cancer cases. So that's a big chunk of that. And there are other scans that do exist for multi-cancers, for early detection, blood tests, full body scans, they're not recommended by most medical organizations. So of all of those cancers, 14% of cancers are found in, found in Ohio and nationwide are diagnosed after those recommended screening tests. So they catch a, you know, some of them, but not the majority. The majority are found other ways with sy- symptoms. When other medical care is pursued and they're looking at stuff closely, that sounds like what happened with King Charles. But when cancer is detected in early stages, the survival rates are four times higher compared to late stage detection. The thing is, it's nice and we can talk about why we don't get more screenings, but most people don't even get the recommended screenings they're supposed to be getting. The mammograms every year, once women turn 40, the colonoscopies after you turn 45, cervical cancer, those are pap smears starting at age 21. And for the lung screen, that happens if you're a heavy smoker, you're supposed to get that. I, I've i never had a yearly lung cancer screening and probably won't. I put a question out about this or a not question. And I texted about this story that we were working on it yesterday mm-hmm. to the people who get my morning texts. I also included a picture of one of the flying squirrels I caught and people were quite taken with how adorable they are. They'd never seen one before. <laughs> but but there was huge interest in this idea of better screening that everybody mm-hmm. worries that they could have something growing in them. And, and some people told me stories that they did for, for a long time before it was detected that we just need to do better. You've read lots of research saying that there are blood tests coming that would detect it, but you, there's a lot of anxiety about this. And the King Charles story just raises that anxiety. It reminds you that you never know when a cancer mm-hmm. starts. Right. The- Oh, Go ahead, Lisa. No, I was just going to say, I will say this, is that lung screenings are not standard of care yet. I mean, they only started doing these about seven or eight years ago. Insurance at that time was not paying for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, lung, and you, you're not, doctor's not going to give you one like a mammogram. They're not going to suggest that. You kind of have to ask for them. And like I said, your insurance may not cover it. And lung cancer is one of those that they very rarely catch in the early stages, which is, which is a tragedy. But you know, they should make the screening standard of care. And you can get lung cancer if you've never been a smoker. I yes. Mean, that's possible. So there, there is this multi-cancer early detection test called One Test. It uses AI. 
algorithms and blood tests to identify biomarkers pointing to early stage cancer. But you can get some of these things with a prescription, with your doctor's order. The thing is, the FDA and the medical organizations don't recommend things because they might lead to a false sense of security and dismiss symptoms that might point to cancer. There's also the risk of healthy people getting false abnormal results, leading to lots of unnecessary testing. But I think, Lisa, what you mentioned, and, and this is not really in the story, but insurance. Insurance plays a huge role in what we get as a standard of care and works with the doctors on what they recommend and what they're going to pay for. So I think, you know, there's always a balance of how much something costs versus how much good it does. And in case you're wondering, I did ask Laura this question because it's about King Charles. And as a Canadian native, she is a royal subject. Well, I, I, well, <laughs> I did learn when I went to Ottawa this summer and was in Parliament that the king still signs off on every single law that Canada passes. And he has like a, a person that does it in Canada for him. But I was like, I had no idea. I loved how Julie said in her lead, what are us commoners to do? <laughs> You're listening to Today in Ohio. Does Cleveland City Council's president not understand how a tax increment financing district works? Why else would he put out a press release that borders on the nonsensical? Courtney, what is Blaine Griffin demanding to get council's approval of a new development district downtown? Yeah, Griffin came out this week with kind of the first time we've really heard from council their response to Bibb's big plans to revitalize downtown and use this tax vehicle to do so. You know, Bibb estimates that he's going to be capturing over the next 42 years adjusted for inflation upwards potentially of seven and a half billion dollars from this tax district. Now, those numbers are super squishy. We'll have to see where they eventually land. But Griffin came out this week saying that city council wants to see an equitable distribution of these funds across the city. And Griffin said he wants half of those potential billion dollars to go into the neighborhoods. And, you know, Justin Bibb just introduced this this proposal, this shore to core to shore TIF district proposal to city council for for consideration. And we're not going to get city council hearings for a few weeks, but you can bet that they're all talking about this behind the scenes. But and but we, this is where but, council has landed at this first stage. But it it reveals an incredible ignorance of how this district works. You can't do what he's saying. It'll fail. The the way this works is whatever taxes you get on increased development. So if I put a building in this district, the increase in property taxes is, becomes the revenue. So Bib wants to, to bond against that, borrow against that future money to do the investment in downtown. There is no revenue if you don't first invest in downtown. And so when Griffin is saying, I want money for the neighborhoods immediately, that crushes it. It won't happen. It'll fail. You can't do it. There's got this is not a short term play. This is a long play at making downtown something truly special that would have a residual effect of building revenue that you could later use in neighborhoods, but not for years. You have to get that investment in. I was stunned by this. It just I you know, we, we wondered what would have happened if Blaine Griffin had run for mayor two years ago. And what we're seeing here is he may not be qualified to be mayor because this is fundamentally wrong. There isn't going to be billions of dollars 
right away to spend in neighborhoods. You're not going to see it for years to come. Yeah. Like you said, this is a a long-term plan here. And the whole idea is, you know, you jumpstart downtown development with just a big influx of cash on the front end to then get, like you said, those residuals over the course of time and hopefully keep growing the pot of money that can be tapped for other purposes. You know, we're going to have to see where this lands. It's not that big of a surprise that council is looking out for the neighborhoods. This is constantly council's thing. That's who elects them and sends them there. So we kind of knew this debate was going to go this direction, but we've got to see where it where it ends up on on Justin Bibbs end, you know, he has described this concept to us, you know, that you've got to kind of stoke development to get the money out of this that you want. But, you know, Bibbs says it's too early to tell what the right split is that ought to go to neighborhoods. I I am really curious what the mayor thinks that split could be. I I don't think council's going to accept, oh, we'll figure it out later. They they want to plan for this on the front end. No, but they have to understand that if you borrow against the future revenue of downtown development, you have to put that money into downtown development to get the future revenue. If you borrow against the revenue of future downtown development and spend that money in the neighborhoods, you don't get the revenue to pay the money back. So the city would be in a very serious jackpot because it's borrowed money and it doesn't have the money to pay it back. It, it's just, this is foolish. If he would have said, look, I, you know, I get that there's an early investment and that we have to be patient for when we see the revenue, but I think year five or year seven is a, is a good time to say we're going to commit 1% of that revenue to the neighborhoods that year and build up to some percentage. But he, he was said, I want to see it immediately. If you take the money you get from the borrowing and don't put it downtown, you kill this whole thing. And that was what was distressing. And look, Lisa, we talked about this in the editorial board. You know, they're, they're going to want to create their little slush funds. They're going to want to go around like little kings. And you said from the start, Cleveland regularly kills the big idea. This is what Blaine Griffin's doing, right? Yeah, it's really a shame. It's it's this insular thinking that I think kills the city of Cleveland's hopes time and time again. And yes, you want to advocate for your neighborhoods, but you can't have good neighborhoods without a downtown. You know, it becomes a vicious cycle. Downtown empties out and then residents and businesses start to leave. So yeah, this is just parochial thinking. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was I was stunned by the release. We're going to do a big takeout on how this kind of thing works and the timing, because it seems like people misunderstand it. But I would have thought the council president would have understood it. You are listening to Today in Ohio. Ohio's deer hunting season is over and the numbers are huge. The number of deer taken is well over half the population of Cleveland. Lisa, how many were there and what was the most common method for bagging them? Yeah, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, the Ohio Department of Natural Resources Wildlife Division issued their uh, deer take for the season that just ended. 213,928 deer were taken. That's the highest since the 2012-2013 season. This is the 12th time they've been over 200,000 since 2002. Now, about half of these were taken by crossbows, 75,462 and 29,700 vertical bows, which are the standard bow and arrow. And this is the first time that deer taken by bows 
has gone over 100,000, and this has become an increasingly popular method of hunting deer. About 60,000 were taken by straight wall cartridge rifles, 39,900 by shotguns, 16,000, interesting, by muzzle loaders, which is one where you shove the ball and the powder into the, into the barrel, and then 526 by handgun, of all things. And they think that maybe bow hunting is becoming more popular because bow season is October and November. This is when deer are on the move, the rutting season is underway, so maybe the more activity makes it better. And Coshocton County, again, was number one. 7,740 deer were taken in that county. Only 912 in Cuyahoga. Yeah, and half of those were by auto. I uh, I just was surprised that archery has become number one. I, I guess I shouldn't be because we've been reporting on this for a while. Uh, but I, when I think of deer hunters, I think of them walking around the woods with uh, with firearms. Staggering numbers, though. I mean, over, I mean, the, the, that many deer being taken each year just tells you that the deer population is quite healthy in Ohio. It's out of control, actually. But, you know, we in, you know, when they did a, a thing in Lyndhurst a couple of years ago, they did a deer count ahead of a cull. There were 372 deer in Lyndhurst. We only have 4.5 square miles. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've got them. I've got them in my yard just about every day. And and everybody smiles when they walk by. You're listening to Today in Ohio. United Airlines released a Super Bowl ad urging Clevelanders to believe, right? Laura, this is a fascinating ad that we'll be seeing during the Super Bowl. Why is it special? Because it's Kyle Chandler, because it's Coach Eric Taylor from Friday Night Lights. And when he tells you to believe, don't you just want want it more than anything? You know, clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. (laughs) If only real life... We're as thrilling and fulfilling what, as what a does he say specifically? Movie. What does he tell Brown? He says fans? Cleveland. He's like, you got to believe in the Browns. Believe so much that you can book your ticket to the Super Bowl next year in New Orleans, and and do it now because United has no change fees. Yeah, <laughs> so mean, just in case it doesn't come true. Yeah, it's fascinating. He says everybody was watching you. You did great. We have no doubt you'll be in the Super Bowl next year. So book your tickets now. And if you don't make it, we'll give you the money back. It was just a a, it's a fascinating look. What my question is, and I don't think we have the answer. Did he do this ad for every city in America that has a football team? Different versions of the same ad are going to run in Houston, Kansas City, Chicago, and Denver. So if we search, we can probably find them online. I don't know if every other news agency in those cities got so excited about their football team (laughs) being in a Super Bowl ad, if not the Super Bowl. But uh, yes, United says by producing market-specific commercials, we can avoid the sports cliches that are all too common at this time of year and demonstrate that United is standing with fans of the local team who are already excited about next season. Because in Cleveland, there's always next year. I think it was brilliant to get Coach Taylor. I just, he's iconic. That show is iconic and... It's the perfect uh, the perfect way to get a smile from us. On. That was, I would have to say, and I've watched a lot of TV over the years, that was one of the best series finales ever, Friday yeah. Night Lights. It was you just know, brilliant. I didn't watch it at the time, but it was about a year or two ago. I, I was on Netflix, right? So I watched the entire thing. And here I am, like a 40-something-year-old <laughs> and no in connection to high school. And it was it was just such a great show that you were rooting for everyone and I, I really do love the sports underdog movies i have to remind myself during my kids hockey game that life is not a mighty ducks movie 
But um, <laughs> when Coach Taylor says, Cleveland, I know you're watching other people's teams play today, but this season you got everyone's attention. The grit, the wins, the defense. Next season you get the title. Finally, you do get a little like, oh, maybe this is. Maybe this, it, maybe this I, will be It's the inspired. Year. Whoever came up with that idea, they, they should get a huge bonus. It's a cool idea. So look for it if you're watching the Super Bowl come Or this just go to cleveland.com and you can watch it right now. Okay, there you go. You're listening to Today in Ohio, and we're glad you're here. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks, everybody who listens.